And that's the scuttlebutt. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Welcome, Scuttle Buddies, to another edition, another live edition of the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Uh, happy November 22nd, Brad. How you doing, man? Well, it is a very important day in, in the, or anniversary, I should say, in our uh, nation's history. Uh, obviously, like you posted on Twitter, you know, you and I met uh, through the Twitterverse, uh, somehow through my uh, JFK assassination research. Um, never thought, uh, you know, at that time that later on that we'd be doing a, uh, a podcast on star Wars, but you know, here we are, um, you know, a year and a half, you know, two years later from, uh, from meeting and, uh, that that's gone well, but, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a quite an important day. How, how have you been? Pretty good. Pretty good. You know, uh, I keep, uh, reminding myself, my mom told me never to, uh, talk to strangers on the internet, but, uh, <laughs> You know, uh, all the stars and planets aligned, uh, and uh, as you said, here we are talking about Star Wars uh, for, uh, this is the start of our second year, um, yeah, somewhere a long right time ago, for sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm glad to see that uh, you are doing well, my friend. Um, welcome, everybody, to uh, another edition of our Mando Weekly Wrap-Up. Uh, we got some things to discuss. Uh, hello, everybody in the chat. Wow, what an episode. Now, again, last week I talked about how it's uh, starting to get confusing. So it's chapter what, season who? What was, uh, remind us there. Yeah, so we got chapter 12 of the entire story, and we are halfway through this season. We are season two, episode four. So that did not disappoint as a good halfway point for the season. Absolutely. You know, uh, obviously, we are very uh, imperial-minded, and uh, this one didn't disappoint. Uh, there's a couple of things that I did uh, I did want to chat uh, with you about. Um but uh, I want to say a quick hello to folks in the chat. Joey Rosales, uh, Dale, Phoenix Nightflame uh, reminds us that it's also the 25th anniversary of Toy Story 1 being released in the U.S. And uh, that's an amazing thing. I, I love those movies as well. Those have gone uh, real far. I mean, those movies prove that, you know, animation is just as important as, you know, live action movies are like the if you don't get your uh, heartstrings tugged while you're watching those movies you're you're not a human being in my opinion hey, exactly and pixar is uh always i i, I don't i don't have the uh sports references what is it called they're batting a hundred batting a thousand yeah, i don't know what that is but uh, yeah, for sure. And uh, another uh, franchise that's been hitting it out of the park uh, is uh, Star Wars on the small screen with The Mandalorian. I think, uh, you know, some people are saying that each episode gets better and better. And uh, this one definitely did not disappoint. Uh, it's called The Siege. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, let's get right into it. Uh, what were your overall thoughts on uh, on this episode, Brad? Well, we are starting to get, um, you know, we, we talked about this last week, but more and more answers uh, are being given, uh, or at least hinted at, uh, through these shows, and uh, more and more connections are being made, and I think you even mentioned this on Twitter, either through your personal account or through the Scarif account, uh, more and more connections are being made um, to, I think, do what J.J. wanted to do from the beginning, which was connect the prequel trilogy to the sequel trilogy. Uh, I thought the sequel trilogy was going to go one way. Of course, it it took some turns that we weren't expecting. Um, but now I don't, I don't want to say, well, it's sort of, I mean, I, I think Disney is still sort of picking up the pieces and putting them back together. Um, but the way in which they are doing that is, is very well done. Um, you know, I, again, I had my thoughts and theories on who Snoke was, uh, or who, who he was supposed to be. Of course that ended up not being the case. Um, but how they're presenting that now uh, through these shows and through the, the books and, and the shows, it, it's it's uh, really well done. So I'm glad we're, we're starting to see, you know, you were talking about the interconnecting fiber between the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy. And I think we're starting to see that with these shows. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, uh, the uh, sequel trilogy obviously had a... Um uh, a, a tough uh, go at it, especially because, you know, especially Rise of Skywalker seemed to have that uh, that weight, that burden on its shoulders regarding, you know, trying to connect, uh, you know, not only the previous two films, but the entire trilogy or the entire, you know, saga as a whole. Um, my personal opinion, I don't think they did it uh, quite as well as I thought they would um for various reasons but uh you're right we're starting to see that connective tissue here um i did post that uh it's going to be a monumental task uh you know doing these uh these explanations and this story thread and obviously in an episodic uh you know program like this on a weekly basis you've got a little more time uh to not only flesh out characters but flesh out situations and uh you're right I think uh, we are on our way to an explosive end of season two uh, for Mandalorian. And um, yeah, so I don't know where you want to start, but, uh, you know, we've got the gang back and, um, you know, they're on this uh, side quest. You know, let me ask you this. What do you... Uh, we've heard a lot of complaints regarding the side quest and the way that this program is, uh, structured. Um, you know, I, I, again, they are going the route of, uh, you know, kind of a Western it's, uh, you know, we were very surprised that that first episode was longer than normal, uh, but we're kind of back to the, you know, half hour format. Um, what do you, what do you think about that? What do you think about these side quests? And I know, you know, this one in particular had a couple of things that were kind of peppered in there that were part of the main story that everybody, uh, is, uh, kind of, you know, itching to get into, but, uh, what do you think of that? I'll be honest with you at this point, I'm getting a little aggravating, aggravated with the, the side quest quote unquote talk. I mean, how do you want the story to progress is my question. I mean, um, it, it's a, it's a weekly show. Um, even, you know, those of us that, uh, you know, shows like X-Files, um, you had your, your overall, uh, storyline with that, you know, uh, the government with aliens, 
but just about every single week, uh, with the exception of the beginning of the season, the middle of the season, or the end of the season, every single show was, you know, a different adventure, a different uh, mystery that they had to unravel. Uh, so I, I don't know what exactly we're expecting or uh, what counts as a, as a main storyline, because one way or another, I think these, these individual stories are pushing the overall story forward. Um, so this, to me, this episode, uh, if it's being called a side quest, it did not feel like a side quest to me. It felt directly related to the main storyline. Yeah. And I think, uh, I'm more in the camp of it. It, it was a little bit side questy. Um, obviously we ended up with la the last episode. They were on their way to, uh, to find, uh, this mysterious Jedi named Ahsoka. Um, they couldn't do it because, uh, the, uh, ship was in shambles and, um, you know, they had to kind of, uh, get, uh, some repairs done. Um, but again, like I said, there were, uh, quite a few surprises, uh, sprinkled in once they got into that Imperial bunker, uh, some things that, uh, you know, that we saw that were very surprising and obviously we'll get into that, uh, you know, real soon, but, uh, a couple of things that I, I did notice, uh, probably after the episode aired, there were a couple of uh, folks that posted, uh, you know, little things like the uh, IG-11 statue in the middle of that uh, of the town there uh, when they went into the cantina. So stuff like that is uh, really cool. Um, How have I you... seen this? I've seen this three times now. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, they there... walk when they're walking in. Um, after they reach, um, I forgot what the name of the, the town is, uh, Navarro, the, Only Navarro, the, planet Navarro. the planet Navarro, but, uh, they were walking into the cantina in the background. You can see, uh, IG 11, there's like a statue. Um, uh, and I guess, you know, in, in reverence to his great sacrifice, uh, during the last uh, season, um, you'll see it on the internet. So, uh, make sure to check that out. But, uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's interesting. It's really cool. I mean, so, I mean, with Navarro, before we even get to the, to the Imperial camp, um, it, it was nice to see that they cleaned up the place a little bit. Um, yeah. Cara Dune, uh, took the title of Marshall. Apparently they liked, uh, giving everybody that title of Marshall. Um, but I really love the school that the, the little school that they had going, having the uh. protocol droid acting, uh, as the teacher and, you know, whether you want to call them Easter eggs or just, uh, you know, Star Wars trivia knowledge, uh, she was she was dropping all of them. Uh, she mentioned uh, the Carillion Run, the Hydean Way, uh, the Maelstrom, uh, you know, for uh, around Kessel, um, and uh, she even mentions that uh, the old capital was Coruscant and that the capital of the New Republic is Chandrilla. So that was nice to to show that they uh, recognize Chandrilla as the capital now. And of yeah. course, uh, for everybody's knowledge, that is uh, Mon Mothma's homeworld. And uh, that's one of the reasons why they moved it there. So it, it was nice to see all that knowledge being dropped right there uh, in the classroom. And it was nice to see, uh, you know, uh, a familiar face, a protocol droid. And I know uh, there was a little, um, you know, web traffic regarding, you know, being able to see C-3PO in, in this series. He's been in everything, you know, thus far. He's uh, one of the only actors that has had the, um, the you know the luck to to be in all the star wars so uh that would be very interesting i i think uh, you know if they can do it creatively uh, you know 
Anthony Daniels, obviously a big fan of his. Uh, C-3PO, a bigger fan of him. Goodness gracious me. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of, uh, you know, last episode, last week, we kind of uh, dogged on Baby Yoda cooing and acting like a little baby. I think uh, they... They're uh, they're gonna go there. I think uh, Baby Yoda or the child, uh, as he is called, um, is definitely um, what is holding this series together as far as uh, cuteness factor. Um, and then he goes and throws up in the cockpit of the uh, of the ship. That's hilarious. Man, you're going way ahead. You're going way ahead. Uh, but at the beginning, I mean, I, I laugh my butt off at the beginning where they're trying to do uh, repairs to the ship. Yeah, um, and uh, if you know, being being in the Navy and having to you know do repairs, uh, we're not quite that sloppy uh, when we do repairs to a ship, but uh, it does ring true somewhat. Uh, and uh, the humor there, you know, red to blue, and you know, just don't touch them. Uh, I thought that scene was was priceless. He's still cooing, but he's helping out with repairs on the Razor Crest. So that was that was a really fun scene. Yeah, very funny moments. Uh, you know, uh, the child uh, is uh, trying to pull his weight on the razor crest and uh i think uh i think is really funny yeah i paralleled the razor crest to the millennium falcon on one of our previous episodes and i think this is just a continuation i think this thing is going to be i mean yeah he had some repairs made but i think this is going to be under repair just about the entire time what's next chronologically here i don't want to skip ahead too much uh again thank you guys for joining us in the chat and uh once again i'm gonna give you guys a spoiler warning obviously if you have not seen the episode uh you know give us a pause come back later check out uh the uh, siege and then uh, come back we're talking uh mandalorian well we got to see our old friend mithril back uh, from season one episode one uh, uh yes. he he made it out of uh, carbonite and uh and now he's working for grief carga uh i guess as his you know, accountant or you know, Mister Fix It, whatever, whatever yeah. he needs done. Uh, I thought jack it was a uh, hel- jack of all trades. Yeah, uh, really master of none. Uh, I love when his uh, gills or whatever he has vented uh, as soon as he saw the Mandalorian walk in. I'm not sure. Do do you see him as just a um, sort of funny side character, or is there something? Uh, we're gonna get to uh, the the big story here in, in a little bit. Um, but do you think Mithril can be completely trusted? I don't. You know, first of all, you know, I, I didn't like him when I first met him in the first uh, season. And you obviously know, I guess everybody else also knows uh, my uh, my feelings on comedy and my sci fi. Um, it looks like he is going to be the comic relief. Um, they they did kind of write his character a little bit more. I don't know, a little a little more serious this time, I think, even though with some of the things that he did. Um, but the gills was really funny. You know, I, I think Karga, you know, really needed somebody like that, uh, in his operation now that, uh, you know, things have changed on the planet. Um, but, uh, it, it seems like he could be a useful character to have around. Uh, like you said, uh, you know, master of all trades or, or, you know, jack of all trades, master of none, but, uh, we'll see going forward what, uh, kind of, uh, trouble he'll get into. I kind of have a feeling that, uh, you know, he's going to be one of these, uh, side characters that, that will probably end up, you know, liking or trusting. I think he's going to kind of stick around for a while. Um, and, uh, and I, I'm perfectly okay with that. I think, uh, you know, we need a little kind of levity uh from time to time so i i i I think i think he'll be around and i think uh he's going to to grow on me i guess 
Yeah, I think it was kind of funny. They were, um, you know, I thought the humor was pretty natural between him and uh, Grief and him and Carl. Yeah. Um, but uh, I like how they were knocking, you know, uh, decades up to hundreds of years off his, uh, you know, life debt. I don't know how long his species normally lives, um, but I thought it was pretty funny to see hundreds of years being knocked off his sure. his life debt to, to grief. So, uh, yeah, you know, this, uh, uh, before I forget, uh, this term, and I've seen people talk about it on uh, the Twitterverse, uh, Dank Ferric, they've used this now, you know, more and more. I thought it was a Mandalorian term because I'd only seen Mandalorians use it. Uh, obviously, uh, Din Jaren uses it. Bo-Katan used it. So I thought it was a Mandalorian term. But now uh, Cara Dune also used it this episode. So is this just going to be a new the, the new curse word uh, for new, Star the Wars? New, the new Carablast? Uh, yeah. Carabas. I think, you know, uh, when they throw things in there like that, I think it makes it a little, uh, you know, a little fun, uh, especially for the fans. Uh, you know, uh, things like uh, what they did with uh, Battlestar Galactica uh, uh, with some of the swear words in there. And I, I think we were talking about that in a, in a chat. So what did you think about the, uh, the aesthetics of the Imperial hideout there on the other side of Navarro? I liked it. Uh, like, you know, like I said earlier, you know, whenever there's anything Imperial in this show, I'm all for it. I'm like looking at everything, uh, you know, in great detail. I love uh, the ships. I love stormtroopers, classic stormtroopers. I like, uh, love when I see them. Uh, very pleasantly surprised that uh, the Biker Scouts came out in force and uh, that chase sequence was amazing. Um, one of the things that, uh, I will nitpick on and, uh, tell me if, uh, if you kind of get my drift. Yeah. I mean, like I said, whenever there's empire involved, I am, you know, freeze framing and watching it uh, intently. I, I love the aesthetics. I love the look, but there's some surprises on that base. Weren't there? Yeah. And, and as far as, you know, him, uh, making those comments, uh, like, like you said, it was very, you know, in the end of the first season, we had the, the two scout troopers uh, just trying to take target practice and they missed every single time. And, you know, he even shook his little blaster. It sounded like a little spray paint can when he, when he shook it. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I like that this show can, uh, you know, on, on one end, not take itself too seriously on the other end, uh, have some of the best, you know, action and fight sequences that we've seen in a long time. Um, but yeah, I'll be honest with you. Um, uh, well, we know I've been bad at predicting everything that's happening on Mandalorian. I'm, I'm uh, not batting a thousand for, for you sports types. Um, I've been batting 500. That means half a right row, by the way. Okay, um, yeah, I was going to, I was going to yeah, ask. Yeah. I was, yeah. Got to know your audience. Um, and, but you know, I, I just thought this was a hideout. I knew, you know, I figured we were going to see those uh, speeder bikes that we saw from the trailer and everything, but I was not ready for um uh, you know again you know the side uh, you know side quest thing i thought they're just gonna take out an imperial base not realizing it's direct tie to the main storyline and uh when they got there and you had the two you know sort of scientist clerk guys um and they completely destroy the records i'm like oh i was not ready for this and then you see the the cloning vats and uh the first thing of course i just got goosebumps even talking about it First thing that I, you know, I just like, I grabbed my son when it happened. It was the music in the background. You know, the, um, the Mandalorian, most of the music has been completely original. But for the first time, as soon as you see those cloning vats, 
you have that music that is either in episode seven for Snoke, that's Snoke's theme in episode seven, uh, or uh, going and then connecting that back to episode three, that is the same, uh, nearly, you know, 90%, the, the same music that was being used uh, for Palpatine, uh, uh, for Sidious when he's talking to Anakin about Darth Plagueis the Wise, uh, that, that low, you know, um, you know, musical hum that they have. Um, and then you have that as soon as they look at the cloning vats and that just, that, that knocked my socks off. The fact that they were able to put that in there and that moment right there, I think is when they tied just about everything together from this prequel trilogy, all the way up to the sequel trilogy. That uh, is something that I did not notice. Uh, I, I did want to mention the music, you know, in this show has been fantastic. Um, I, I know that the music has taken a um, a little bit of a different route. It's uh, it's not as orchestral uh, as a John Williams score. It's uh, it's more organic. It's more tribal. It's more percussive. And I think uh, there are some times when I miss that John Williams grandiose scale of of music. And I think this episode is is one of the episodes where I, I really wanted to hear, you know, that familiar dun 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 dun, 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 dun you know, stuff like yeah. that. Um, but I'm going to have to go back and see uh, during that part. And uh, that's one of the things that I love about Star Wars is like everything gives you clues you know i know a lot of people you know turn on the closed captions to make sure that they don't miss anything uh you know in the script they got names obviously uh things that are being said in the background and obviously being fans of star wars we know that the music is a very integral uh you know uh storytelling method uh that uh, a lot of people don't pick up on and uh you're absolutely right i'm gonna have to go back and and really see that and if i if, if i hear that music man wow that's gonna be chilling um but yeah. uh yeah these cloning vats uh you know i know a lot of people and and one of the things that really kind of sucks is you can't screenshot when you're watching it obviously on on a device um so you can kind of zoom in and, and take a look but uh you know people are still you know grabbing a frame and then blowing it up and adjusting contrast and uh tying this uh storyline to the sequel trilogy uh is uh i think uh, phoenix nightflame said it uh, earlier it, it's gonna blow our minds once uh, we realize what they're doing uh looking at those cloning vats immediately thought of the rise of skywalker you know as, you know from the first scene where uh kylo ren uh meets palpatine and of course you have snoke in those cloning vats um and just immediate connection there but it was good to see dr pershing's you know just before this episode uh, oh, I asked yeah. my son, I was like, where, where did Dr. Pershing go? Did I, did I miss something on that? Or did he just kind of like sneak away? And I guess, I guess he had, he's still there. It's nice to see that he's, um, working directly for Moff Gideon. And, uh, we get more on strand cast strand casting was mentioned in season one. Um, but now we have even more details on strand casting. Uh, we have the M word being brought back up. I know you've been posting a lot of stuff. Uh, about uh, midi-chlorian counts, or M-count, as he called it. I thought that was really nice that they called it an M-count. Um, it's also interesting that uh, just an imperial scientist knows that term at all. Uh, so I guess somehow that made it into the scientific realm in Star Wars. Um, but I guess we have, you know, he used the term volunteer. I'm not sure if he really meant volunteer, but he talked about a volunteer 
And uh, so it sounds like, as we suspected, um, that the, the child was being used for these purposes. No, no real surprise there, but, you know, it was nice to see it being, uh, you know, connecting everything. And it looks like they're trying to sort of use uh, midi-chlorians as, a, you, know, uh, you know, blood doping, I guess, what we have here in, in our world. And it looks like it's not too successful. So what were, what were your thoughts on midi-chlorians being, being brought back into the story? A couple of things. So, you know, I, I did post that it was refreshing or, or, or nice to hear the M count uh, line because we all know what the M stands for. I know a lot of people have a problem with midichlorians, but it is what it is. Um, it, it does seem like the Empire at this point has done a lot of research. Now, let me ask you this. Um, you said that uh, the child was used as a donor. Do we know that for sure? Or do yeah. we know that uh, that the child is being sought after to be able to continue the research and they never had him to begin with? And I'm thinking the, the, um, the donor and or the volunteer, as he called it, is going to be somebody else. So the volunteer... Uh, the volunteer is not yet named. I don't think I don't probably won't be. But if you listen to Dr. Pershing carefully, he does say that he had the child. But because he was so small and so young, he was only able to extract a little bit from him um, for his midichlorian count. Um, and uh, so and that's why Moff Gideon wants him back again is so he can get some more of his blood. Um, I guess for, you know, and, and we're going to be talking about this. I, I know on an upcoming uh, episode, as far as uh, Sith eternal and, and how that works, and we'll go into more detail on it, but uh, you know, in episode one, uh, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, they mentioned that Anakin's midichlorian count was higher than even master Yoda's. So whether that was Yoda specific or specific to his particular species, it would seem that, you know, he and uh, you know Yoda, whatever their species is, typically has a very high midichlorian count, and that's why the need of the child was to extract some of his blood and be able to use it to, uh, I guess, maybe pump through these uh, you know so-called volunteers to try to be able to uh, you know bring back to reincarnate Palpatine. Yeah, that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be chilling. Um... I had another thought uh, regarding midichlorians, uh, but again, you know, it seems like uh, Filoni and Favreau are, uh, you know, uh, are really su succeeding in uh, kind of tying uh, this series to everything, uh, everything that came before and everything that we know, you know, comes uh, after in the uh, in the work of uh, the sequel trilogy and uh you know i from the beginning i've been asking you know you and all our listeners you know how does this affect the sequel trilogy where is the child uh during the sequel trilogy um what are the ramifications of this story uh on on the characters that we know in the sequel trilogy uh the, the jedi uh yoda um it's going to be interesting to kind of see where this ends up because, uh, you know, it, it, I will endeavor to say that for a lot of people that were really not into the sequel trilogy, this might actually make it seem a little bit more palatable as far as, you know, how the story goes. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I think that's really cool. Yeah. And, uh, I just, as you were speaking there, I just kind of had a thought, we know Ahsoka's coming and, uh, you know, he's going to meet her and, uh, bring the child to her. So it could be, again, 
all my predictions, I have to say this now for every prediction I make, all my predictions thus far have been incorrect. So I'll be wrong on this one too. Um, but it could be that, you know, this could answer a couple of those questions where Ahsoka uh, at some point leaves with the child to take him out of harm's way. Uh, and that would answer sort of where the child is and where Ahsoka is um, because she is, you know, I'll, I'll say it, she is just as powerful as what Luke Skywalker is. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll fight anybody for that. You know, based off what we've seen on screen, I think she's just as powerful as, as what Luke is. So I think she might actually, for his own protection, uh, take the child and run uh, and be hidden away. And that way, if they, you know, they put her into the, put those characters into the savings account, uh, and if they want to bring it back out, they can. And that, unfortunately, is a story for another time. This is Sentry Mode! Welcome to Sentry Mode. We got a good one for you today. I'm Trevor Beast 454 curator of the Star Wars subcategory on Sporkle.com. This Sentry Mode pertains to Season 2 of The Mandalorian, because of course it does. Let's get into this. Question 1. What was the name of the giant creature that the Mandalorian killed on Tatooine? Question 2. How many credits did the Mandalorian have to cover for Dr. Mandible's Round of Sabacc? Question 3. Who was the first person to direct the chapter from both Season 1 and Season 2? Question 4. By closing the doors, which part of the Imperial cruiser did the security officer mistakenly believe he trapped the four Mandalorians? Question 5. Which character shot down the scout trooper holding a grenade atop the Trexler Marauder? And lastly, we have our opinionated question. So, at the end of Chapter 10, do you think the New Republic pilots made the right decision by not arresting the Mandalorian, but also choosing not to aid in any repairs to the Razor Crest, which could be seen as stranding him on the ice planet? Please explain your reasoning. This is Sentry Mode! And that concludes our Sentry Mode for today. You're definitely welcome to tweet your answers to at Scarif Podcast. If you enjoyed that segment and you're craving more trivia, then check out sporkle.com slash games slash subcategory slash Star Wars. That's S-P-O-R-C-L-E dot com. Don't forget to properly secure your frog egg canister, and I hope to see you next time. Speaking of connections, though, um, you know, we get to the we get near the end and uh, we see, uh, man, and I'm sure I know you love that shot. You've talked about the original shot from episode four uh, many times and how beautiful it was to see the Star Destroyer. Uh, this was not uh, a Star Destroyer this uh, this time. Uh, most of the Star Destroyers are gone at this point. Um, Moff Gideon is going around. It's a. Uh, uh, our, our Quintus class uh, cruiser. Nice. Um, you see those in the Clone Wars and, and Rebels. They're much smaller uh, than the uh, Star Destroyers, but it, they are still command ships, even though they're smaller. But still a beautiful shot there. But uh, we have the um, 
because uh, I, I told you I had, or I put a post on Twitter that I have a theory, but I want to get back to that. Um, but we have the Imperial officer, the, the female, uh, talking to the, the, the repair guy that put the, the tracking beacon on the Razor Crest. And she told him that he would be uh, rewarded in the new era. Now, going back to your concerns about no connection um, between original and sequel trilogies, uh, previously, I thought that the First Order was a completely, or nearly completely independent operation from the Empire. Um, you know, we had Operation Cinder, which was just a scorched earth policy from the uh, from Palpatine. But, you know, besides that, you had a few zealots went out into the unknown regions and rebuilt. But with the Imperial officers mention of the new era, and obviously what we've seen from Moff Gideon, uh, do you think that there is even more? Do you think that the Imperial Remnant knew about and was actively trying to help bring about the First Order? I think absolutely. I think, uh, you know, Palpatine had many plans in place. Uh, you know, obviously Order 66, uh, Operation Cinder, who knows what other things he had in motion uh he's not the type of character that would just you know one and done i think uh you know he probably had a couple of things uh up his sleeve uh to be able to you know bring about uh another era of galactic domination and um the only thing that i you know the only thing that sucks for me is that you know obviously the sequel trilogy happened and we know what's going to happen um, but, uh, you know, I, I always preach that, uh, it, the journey is what's important and not the goal sometimes with this stuff, because we know, you know, we know what's going to happen, but, um, yeah, I, I think definitely, you know, and again, you know, once we get to that very last shot, you've got, uh, another contingency of, of, of things that are going to happen there with, uh, with what, uh, Gideon has in store. Um, I don't know, uh, you know, what is going to happen, uh, next week, uh, this coming Friday, but, uh, you know, it's getting, it's getting really exciting. It's getting really like nerve wracking uh, to some point. Um, and, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, do you think, uh, somebody also posted that they, people think that they're, we're done with Boba Fett. Uh, do we have any inclination (laughs) as far as, uh, you know, is he going to come back into the mix here? Are we done seeing him, or what? Uh, how, what does his role play in the overall story? Once you know, at this point, it, it may not be. You know, I think. Does any first of all, does anybody think Favreau and Filoni are that stupid uh, to to miss that <laughs> exactly. opportunity? I mean, they right. they are literally the saviors of this franchise right now. Um, but you know, now the way that this season is going, it is possible that they uh, backburner him maybe to a future season. Um, just, you know, they're just letting you know that he's there, he's alive, um, and they might back burner him. You know, right now the mission is to get uh, the child back to the Jedi. But, you know, we know that we're going to be going back to Mandalore. Uh, you know, he's going to have more interactions with Bo-Katan. So, you know, it, and, but I don't think any none of that's going to happen this season. So I think he might just be tabled into a future uh, season. But there is no way that Favreau and Filoni let that one go. Um, but I think right now it's just a tease, uh, you know, but as far as this tracking beacon goes, do you think that, and uh, I'll give you my theory, like it's, it's pretty much a hail Mary theory. Um, but, uh, do you think that, uh, 
repair technician was operating on his own? Uh, I guess there's a multi multi-part question. Uh, do you think the repair technician was operating on his own or was he working with Grieve Carga since that was his technician? Uh, or, and if he's not working for Grieve Carga, I assume Mandalorian's going to figure this out at some point. And do you think Mandalorian, uh, Din Djarin is going to think that it's Grieve Carga and that's going to cause some drama between them? Um, I think he is, uh, acting independent. Um, but, uh, I like that theory, you know, it, uh, throws a wrench into the mix with the relationship between Grief Karga and, uh, Mando and the rest of the team. So that, that might make some, uh, interesting drama later on, uh, if they go that route. Separate from grief, uh, this is a, a random thought and even I don't think this is true, but just for discussion uh, sake, any chance, uh, that Cara Dune could be a traitor, could be a double agent. Wow. Uh, I, I, I want to say my first gut, my first instinct would say no. Um, I think people like her too much. Um, but, um, you know, they, they had that very good, um, Alderaan conversation, uh, her and the uh, Republic pilot. Um, yeah. and she said she lost everybody. Uh, the most uh, obvious is that she literally lost everybody because the plant blew up. Um, but there was an Imperial side to that. Um, and you know, maybe she lost everybody from an Imperial standpoint. Uh, we, we've talked lost stars and we talked about how there was different reactions to it uh, in the empire. And, and maybe she's one of those. That's a, uh, that's just a, uh, you know, yeah. I see backyard Tardis, uh, Tardis and, uh, uh, in the, in the chat saying she would never, uh, that is my first inclination. It was just a random thought that, you know, the, the obvious fingers would be pointed at grief Karga because of, you know, that sort of character that, that he's, he's been so far. Um, and he's sort of got the, the Lando Calrissian double dealing, uh, sort of, uh, tendencies, uh, with him. So, you know, I think a lot of people wouldn't put it past grief, but, uh, could Kara be that, that unknown that you never see coming or he was the, the repair guy was just working on his own. I don't know. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, Cara Dune, I think if she, if, if anything, she probably um, would uh, take action on her own. She's a very, uh, very independent character. And, uh, you know, obviously she has set the stage. I mean, we know what happens to Alderaan. She did lose everyone. And I think, uh, you know, she hates the empire for, for that reason, I think. And, uh, you know, we might see, she appears to hate the empire. Yeah. Yeah. You I, remember, I, do you remember the original conversation that he had? One of the original conversations that he, he had with her from season one, it was a little bit awkward, uh, talking how she used to be a, a jump trooper, uh, a rebel shock trooper. Uh, mm-hmm. but somehow she was forced into early retirement, something along those lines, which to me was a little bit awkward. Uh, I'm just saying, uh, it's a long shot, but I'm putting it out there. Sounds good. What else? We got a couple of things. Uh, I I do want to mention, um, this will be the first time that we will mention, uh, we teamed up with a new sponsor, Brad, and, uh, your, uh, your product is on its way, but, uh, I just want to tell everybody in the chat, uh, who our sponsor is, uh, he's, uh, it's uh, a new team up. And uh, we're very happy and uh, we're chuckling on the inside at our new sponsor. If you guys go over to Manscaped, 
manscaped.com. A-M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D. 85% of women think that uh, bad grooming is a major turnoff. Did you know that, Brad? I wonder how much, how many percentage men think that uh, grooming is a major turnoff. Because we usually don't... uh, 87. 87. No, no. 87. Men, men have low standards, so it's probably around 5%, right. I think, for men. Yeah, but, uh, you know, if you guys uh, if you guys in the chat, and um, I don't know, maybe the ladies want to do a little gift-giving this holiday. Up. Christmas, Christmas is, coming is coming up. up. You know, you got to join over a million happy men who keep their junk quaffed. It's good practice, everybody. Go over to manscaped.com and use the promo code BEACHBALLS. Yes, true. beach balls because, you know, Scarif, we like to play with our beach balls. There's <laughs> nothing else to do on Scarif. So uh, no one likes to play with dirty beach balls. So go over to manscaped.com, either for you or a loved one, and get that discount. There you go. And uh, thank you, Backyard Tardis. I know uh, you had uh, messaged me. You got your order in. I know Alex from the Salty Nerd Podcast got his order in. He can't wait. Uh, really nice, uh, nice package. Nice. Uh, oh. See How many times you gonna say package? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. But uh, yeah, uh, take advantage of our of the sale. Uh, use that uh, promo code and get twenty percent off. It's a really great product. Um, and, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, you'll help us out. One last thing we have that, we have that final moment, uh, with Moff Gideon. Uh, who are they? What are they? Are they death troopers, shadow troopers, dark troopers? What are they? Um, that's been the major conversation, you know, but I just like to point out there was an Imperial scientist there. Uh, I'm not sure what he was. He looked like he was just to me. He looked like he was taking some data, uh, from them. Uh, so what, what are your thoughts on, on these, uh, well, th- this trooper armor that we had at the end? Yeah, it was, uh, I was trying really hard to, to see what was in the background and I had to kind of, uh, pause and then kind of take a look. Um, I didn't pay attention uh, too closely the first time around, but, uh, yeah, you know, people were saying that this, this was kind of a great homage to, uh, the old, uh, uh, PC game. Uh, what was it? Uh, dark forces, dark forces. Yeah. Yeah. And even the, uh, dark horse comics from the nineties, when you look at them, they match the art from the dark horse comics, uh, from, from the nineties. So, uh, again, yeah. Uh, Filoni, Favreau, the, the guys working on the creative team are, are paying so much homage to, to this old stuff. Uh, when they had uh, Mithril slicing, how many times have we talked about KOTOR on this show and the connections, you know, uh, and we've seen the, the memes about it. You know, they have now they picked up a slicer. So now they have Mithril slicing all the doors. They are paying so much, you know, giving so many nods uh, to the EU uh, and to the to video games and everything like that. Um, but, uh, those were definitely, uh, death troopers that he had with him in season one at the end, but these were not that these were definitely something else. Yeah. And, uh, I would be okay if there were something, you know, totally brand new, uh, maybe a little, you know, look alike to some of the stuff that, uh, we've mentioned, but, um, you know, far dog says some of the images that he's seen, uh, looks like their necks are thin and mechanical, maybe grievous like uh, i did notice that uh, it had uh, black tubes coming from a chest plate 
going around uh, and underneath uh, the breastplate there. So uh, who is he going to be using these against, do you think? Is it uh, the Mandalorian, or do they even know where they're heading? Do they know that uh, they're going to be fighting a, a Jedi that's still around? And here's another prediction. How badass would it be to see uh, remnants of a uh, an Inquisitor, uh, an Inquisitor team or something like that? Some Something in that well, realm. Well, oh my God. Well, don't, don't tease me like that. Don't play with my emotions like that. <laughs> so, uh, well, I was thinking the Inquisitor or... Uh, that, uh, that, uh, uh, what's he called? The, the droid that has Palpatine's face in it, uh, that we see the messenger, in the, the Star messenger. Wars. Yeah. The messenger. Thank you. Uh, the messenger droid from Palpatine, uh, you know, I would just, I'd lose it. I'd lose it if we, if we saw that. And if they were able to get Ian McDermott, uh, to, to have his face in that screen, I would, I would just lose it. Now you're playing with my emotions, Brad. I can't <laughs> I know, right? stand it. That is that. Wow. <clears throat> that would be amazing. I wouldn't put anything past Favreau and Filoni and, and the rest of the team at this point. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm ready to give my scuttle cheeks. I was, you know, I had, at uh, six fifty in the morning on Friday, I was I was ready to give my scuttle cheeks uh, recommendation for this show, but uh, you posted later on that uh, you disagreed. You probably disagree with mine, so uh, I guess uh, we'll let you go first this time. Well, you know what? I'm going to backtrack because I think uh, I mentioned some of the little nitpicky things that I had with this episode. Uh, I think it's probably my favorite so far um again anything imperial uh, in nature i am all in um i did have a slightly teensy weensy tiny little issue with uh you know the the comments that uh that uh fishman made uh regarding the guardrail and the little thing with the collectors but it's always in good fun so as far as scuttle cheek ratings i'm gonna go I'm going to go all in and put all my scuttle cheeks in. I, I am uh, four scuttle cheeks in on this episode. So uh, no uh, no regrets on that. No regrets. It is nice to see that you have fixed yourself. I thought maybe you're going to put it, mark it down to a three or something. You know, I think three and a half so far uh, maybe has been our highest. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if we had a four, but uh, uh, yeah, uh, definitely a four for me. This is my favorite episode so far uh, for all the reasons that you mentioned uh, the action, the, the connections between uh, all the different storylines that this one had in it and uh, the visuals and the, like you said, having the empire in there and seeing the empire, like we want them with, with the speeder bikes uh, and the tie fighters uh, flying in atmosphere, uh, all these things. Uh, and then the, the cruiser at the end, uh, the, you know, it was 37 minutes ish. So I think it might've been actually a little bit longer than uh, the previous couple episodes, yeah. uh, at least not any shorter um, to me, a pretty good runtime. I would have taken you know, again, always five, 10 minutes more. Um, but uh, I, I thought it was perfect. And so it'll be hard for them to top that for the rest of the season. Oh, and we forgot to mention how uh, great of a job Carl Weathers did on directing this episode. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he, 
Yeah, great job. Even with uh, what are we gonna? We we have uh, Turbis the Porg out there that uh, our friends at uh, uh, Tatooine Sons made canon. Uh, th this guy's gonna need a name, Mister Mister Arm. Uh, Mr. Oh, Wristwatch, the, I don't know, you blue, saw blue that Blue jean guy, there. yeah. Yeah, blue jean guy, he, he's going to need a name. He's going to be canonized. I, I watched it again. I still missed it. So I, I think mean, I missed people, it too. Yeah, like, like you said, people have the ability to stop every single <laughs> microsecond now of these things and catch these things. I've seen it three times. I missed IG-11, like, like you pointed out. I certainly didn't see this guy with a wristwatch. So, um, you know, people just, just enjoy the show. <laughs> you know, there was a Starbucks cup in Game of Thrones. They could be a Gene guy in the background. You know, gaffers need love too, like I said. So, uh, you know, a uh, very important and pivotal moment for <laughs> for uh, him. And uh, people have already uh, put him on the Mandalorian, you know, posters, and he already has an action figure, I see. So, uh, yeah, you can't uh, pull uh, the wool over us Star Wars fans. So that yeah. is uh, pretty hilarious. It's nice that people are having fun with this, you know. Um, so, uh, very, very pleased with this episode. I think it had everything that we could have wanted, but, uh, on, on a, um, more serious note, uh, I think our, our account got hacked, uh, about a week ago. Did you want to tell people about, uh, the hacking that went on on the Scarif Scuttlebutt Twitter that account? That is true. So last Sunday, uh, our, uh, the, uh, account, the Scarif Scuttlebutt account was, uh, under the control of the child. If you guys don't know what we mean, uh, please see if you can follow hashtag the takeover. Uh, we gave the child uh, the password and uh, let him loose uh, around town. And uh, I hope you guys uh, caught that. Um, he uh, met some new friends and uh, met some old friends. Uh, our uh, friend Celine over at uh, Alley Cat Comics in Andersonville here in Chicago went over there to hang out with her. Um, met uh, some uh, Chicago police officers uh, at Grant Park, uh, did a little photo posing uh, with them. Uh, but uh, I, I do want to mention that uh, we have a little contest um, uh, regarding that, and uh, I prepared uh, two um, The Child gift packs for uh, our listeners and uh, if you guys go and take a look at the takeover as a hashtag, Dale uh, had put it up there. Um, take a look at the, some of the posts. Uh, the question uh, that you need to direct message us uh, and uh, our DMs are open. Make sure that uh, we're following you if we're not. But uh, here's the question for you. And you have to DM. Uh, we'll hopefully get a couple of uh, answers uh on that and uh the question is what famous chicago landmark did the child stop and have lunch at during the takeover so that is the question uh make sure you dm us the answer and uh i think uh, when this episode drops uh, a couple of days later we will pick out our two random winners from uh from uh, the answers that we get in our dms so uh, again take a look at the takeover what famous chicago landmark did the child stop and have lunch at uh for your chance to win two uh the child gift packs i put together uh, some cool little uh baby yoda items that uh, we'll put in a box and send to you as a special thank you from us to you our scuttle buddies in a galaxy far, far away.
good stuff. And I think next time uh, he might uh, visit Charleston and, and and see you know when and uh, see the sites down here. Number one uh, tourist city in 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 the country. So uh, maybe uh, he'll take in the sites here next time when he takes over our account again. Brad, uh, it's been a really great show. Uh, can't wait for Friday and see where else uh, we go in the galaxy far, far away. It's starting to really, you know, look very familiar as far as uh, where we might be going with uh, with the story here. I can't wait. Uh, and obviously the episode with Bo-Katan was, was an amazing one. I didn't think uh, it could be topped, but uh, this one came really, really damn close. Um, but once we get... Once we get into that, uh, I hear the next episode is actually called The Jedi. Uh, so uh, once we get into that, uh, wow. Uh, yep. I'm going uh, to be in a coma all weekend. Yep, it's, it's going to be a good one. Uh, I want to take this time since uh, this will be our last release before the holiday to uh, wish all of our friends a happy Thanksgiving. And it's nice to know that I don't have to worry about Black Friday while everybody's uh, – uh, well, I'm not sure how many people are going to be shopping out this year uh, with all the restrictions and everything. But uh, while everybody's out there fighting for their uh, new HD TVs, I will be, you know, uh, comfortable at home on my couch with the kids, and uh, we'll be watching The Mandalorian. So I don't have to uh, worry about any of that. If you know, if you're smart, you're going to do uh, Cyber Monday anyway. I think it's going all month anyway. But uh, you know, avoid all the crazies on on Black Friday. And uh, stay at home and watch The Mandalorian a few times and then tweet us at Scare Podcast with uh, your takes on, on the next Mandalorian. And that, my friends, is the scuttlebutt. Thank you, guys. Hey, Scuttle Buddies, Ro here. I just want to say a heartfelt thank you to our patrons, wonderful folks who have found it in their hearts to support what we do. We're lucky to have you. Folks like Amanda, Jedi Caligula 89, Joey Rosales, the Salty Crew at Salty Nerd Podcast, Alex and Matt, super fan of all pods on the Red 5 Network, Nicholas Schaefer, big thanks, Nick, Chad at Hyperspace and Holocrons, and Jay from Florida. If you want to be even more involved in the scare of Scuttlebutt community and feel like becoming a patron, we'd really appreciate it. Head over to patreon.com slash scuttlebutt. And until next time, remember, it's always sunny on Scarif with patrons like you.